Now, if you could join me in Hebrews 11, verses 1, and then 6 through 7, that's our reading for this morning. Hebrews 11, 1, 6, and 7. It's on the back of the bulletin. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. And we pray that as we spend this time listening to Brian, that our faith would increase, that we would come to know you better, and we come to trust in your promises more. Jesus, we, we don't need anything outside of your will, and I pray that you just make us more secure in that. Be with Brian as he speaks. Bless his words. And I pray that this morning we would just honor you in the way that we act and listen and, and pray. Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. There are uh, some seats left if you want to sit down. If you want to stand, that's okay, too. We are um, going through Hebrews chapter 11 for the next few weeks and um, thinking carefully about what faith means and, and how our faith in Christ uh, actually affects our lives. And uh, what I want to do this morning, if, if we can, is I want to... I want to speak to you as if it's um, Thursday night at 11 o'clock at night and you're laying in bed and uh, you're tired and maybe you've had uh, a rough few days and the, the places that your mind goes when you're tired, when you're in bed or maybe you're alone and just how easily our minds go to dark places and how we begin going to places where we think the worst is going to happen. And we can, um, we can all get to really dark places really quickly. And here's what often happens, and this, this is just uh, off of my own human experience, is that we all know people that are, that are outgoing and very positive, and you're like, man, I wish it could be like them. Well, here's what's often true. People that are very positive and outgoing have this other big swing too and can get to really dark places. And even people that are more temperamental or more kind of in the middle, we can all get to dark places. And so Sunday morning, it's a beautiful sunny day, a little bit chilly, but we're all here together. Um, we have a different attitude and a different mindset, but I guarantee you that life, and it's often when you're alone, it's often in the nighttime, that we can get to dark places. And how does, how does our Christian faith, how does our faith in Christ impact how we live at those times? And I really think that Hebrews chapter 11 gives us some insight. And specifically in 11, chapter 11, verse 1, as we read this morning, that talks about the unknown future and how the unknown future can create fear in our lives. Or 
how faith deals with the invisible you, the, the part of who you are that uh, nobody can see. But that's the part of you that late at night when you're in bed and your mind goes to dark places. How does faith create growth in your life? How does faith create stability in your life? And we do know this, that doubt or uncertainty about life, about our walk with the Lord, about who God is, about who Jesus Christ is, is, is that's not something new. In fact, we know that Thomas, if we read the Gospel of John, Thomas struggled with this as well. And so doubt, doubt isn't always a negative thing. It's not always a positive thing. It's a very nuanced concept. And so we have to think carefully about doubt and how it impacts our life in contrasting this with faith. But we do know this, that Thomas spent years with Jesus Christ and after Jesus is crucified on the cross and, and he comes back to life, spends time with the disciples, Thomas says, I just can't buy it. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's true. And it's not until I touch or see or experience Jesus Christ that I will believe. And so Jesus, here's what's really interesting about this. Here's a guy who spent days and days, years and years with Jesus, and he has doubts. He has those kind of doubts that we all have at Thursday at 11 o'clock or 1 in the morning when our temptation is to, to go to something to help us forget about the challenges or the pain or the darkness. Jesus, here's what's so interesting to me, and it's so beautiful and so refreshing. Jesus does not scold Thomas. He says to this Thomas, it's okay. Come, come and touch. Touch my hands. Look at my side. Think carefully about your doubts. And when Thomas does this, his response is this. He says, my Lord and my God. And so this morning, I want us to think about that there is a time and a place where doubt and, and uncertainty can be beneficial if it drives us to God. But doubt can also be very dangerous when it leads to unbelief, when it leads to walking away from God. And so this morning, we'll look at Hebrews chapter 11 for a few minutes and look at the life of Noah and how he can help us strengthen our faith. But before we do that, there's one important thing that, that we must be aware of, and that is this, that, that doubt, doubt about God, doubt about your life, is not purely an intellectual problem. We can have questions about, is the Bible true? We can have questions about, did Jesus really rise from the dead? But more than that, doubt that leads to unbelief is a spiritual problem, is a spiritual fight. And we don't like to think about this that much, but we have to remember this, that according to the New Testament, in Paul's writing, he says this, that we have a struggle that's not flesh and blood. That it's an invisible fight. That there are invisible evil forces that want to create unbelief in your life, that go to battle for you to create disbelief. That there is, we don't like to think about this, but there is somebody out there that despises you, that wants to create discouragement in you, that wants to create unbelief in you, that wants to pull you away from God. In fact, Peter writes the same thing, and when he writes this, he says, be on guard, be alert to the invisible you. 
Be aware that there is somebody, his name is the adversary or Satan, that is prowling around seeking people to devour, seeking people to create unbelief, seeking people to create doubt, seeking people to say, chuck it, walk away from it, this is all a game, it's all a charade, it's not real, walk away from it all. And we have those thoughts. It's probably true that everyone here has had thoughts where you just want to walk away from it all, where there's too much pain, there's too much discouragement, life is too challenging, and you want to just chuck it and walk away. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us hope, and that's what we all need. We need hope, we need reassurance, we need confidence that there is a way to live, that, that we can have a faith in Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to stand firm, to stand strong against the doubt and discouragement that, that life often brings. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, look with me, and we'll spend some time looking at the life of Noah. And Noah does some really key things that if we follow can transform our doubts into a strong faith, a faith that will stand firm, a faith that will endure to the end. And the book of Hebrews has a theme about endurance, that there is a hope, there is a faith available to us that we can endure, that we can live our lives with joy that we can live our lives with confidence. And so there's three things I want to draw our attention to this morning. It's just one verse. Number one is this, that Noah did this. Number one, he believed God enough to make changes in his life. He believed God enough to make changes in his life. And here's what an important distinction we need to make. Noah believed in God, and that is the process. That's the beginning step of faith, that yes, that you believe in God. But Noah teaches us here that he believes God. And, and let's look carefully at what that means. So if you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says this. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark. In reverent fear. So we want to focus our attention on that short little clause there, reverent fear. What, what's going on in the life of Noah that he has reverent fear, he has reverent awe for God, that he believes God, that he has reverent awe. Here's the context. This is uh, Genesis chapter 6, verses uh, Genesis 6 through 9. The context is this, that God is actually sorry that he had made mankind. The Bible describes it, that the earth was filled with evil the thoughts of men, the actions of men were only evil continually. And because of that, that God would bring a massive destruction. That nothing would stop this destruction. That it would destroy everything in the world. But God spoke to, to, to Noah. And on the basis of what God says, he builds an ark that he believes God's word, that he has reverent awe, that he has reverent regard, that he, that he pays careful attentiveness to God, that he has deep respect for God. Let's apply this this way and we think about this in our own lives for a moment. 
What do we care deeply about? What do we care enough that we uh, will allow it to change us? What is it that we have reverent awe for in our life? What is it that defines the invisible you? Noah is a man who has deep trust for God. And it's trusting God even when things are not making sense. It's trusting when you can't see exactly what's happening. And so what happens, or the question we need to ask ourselves, what is it that moves you? Is there anything in this world that moves you, that creates reverent awe in your life? And unfortunately, the question is that the only thing that creates movement in our lives is ourselves. That it's impossible to have reverent awe because we keep ourselves at the center. What is it that moves you? What is it that moves you enough to take action? That's what Noah does. God speaks to him, and he believes God enough that he takes action. The Bible speaks of uh, the concept of trembling at the word of God. And what we know here, and this is, this is not something necessarily we want to think about in this sense, but here's what's happening in the life of Noah. He had such high regard for God's word that it created action in his life. That There was something outside of himself that his words had the power to create change in his life. And at some point in this story, we, we don't know all the details. I, listen, I know there are lots of questions about the flood story. But at some point, when the rains begin to come, and when the earth begins to open up and fill with water, the people that were at one time mocking Noah for obeying God, for creating change in his life, at some point during that time, those people began to tremble because the rains didn't stop. And so we learned this. We learned that while our lives are filled with doubt, that we have struggles, what is it that you believe in that will make change in your life? Do you believe God enough? Do you believe in his word enough that it will create change in your life? Next, number two, we see this, that Noah believed God enough to create a contrast in how he lived his life. And look at what he says here. And this is really interesting. And at first, it sounds odd to us. Verse 7 says this. By faith, I'll read it again. By faith, Noah warned, being warned by God, concerning the evil events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world. What does that mean? By this, by building the ark in faith, he condemned the world. And here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that as Noah was building this ark, that he would scold people as they walked by. It doesn't mean that he walked around saying how bad everyone was and pointing out flaws. Because that's what happens is, in our mindset, we think of, Condemning means somebody's walking around finding faults in everyone else and saying, you're wrong, I'm right. Well, that's, that's not what Noah did. And here's, let me give you an example of this, of maybe of how, how this is, was lived out. Number one, he condemned the world by how he lived, but by also what came out of his mouth. All right, here's, how, here's one way condemnation works. And 
Uh, I'll use the example of, uh, of school. This happened uh, a couple years ago, and since we've all been at school, you can relate to this. I don't know when this was, a year or two ago, a teacher at our school accidentally left a test face up on their desk. And a couple of students noticed this and said, hey, look right here. What would you do? Do you look at it? Do you join with this other student? Well, here's what happened. One student said, oh, that's neat. I like that. Come look at this. Another, person, another student said, hey, this is helpful. This is great. I like this. And pretty soon, you had eight to 10 students checking out the test, writing things down. And some of you, this would have been you when you were 14. Some of you probably would have been me. But a couple of students said, ah, this doesn't quite feel right with me, and decided to, to walk out of the room. And the other students scowled at them, kind of, the goody tissue kind, right? And here's what happens. Nothing was said. The other students that just said, I don't feel good about this, nothing. They didn't walk out. They didn't say, hey, you guys are doing the wrong thing. You guys are the bad people. We're the good people. They just walked out. And what happened was, by walking out, it sheds light into darkness. And there's self-condemnation. There, it, it wasn't that we have to speak. And so here's how, here's how this was working. The way that Noah lived his life, it created a contrast in the world around him. And it doesn't matter how much darkness there is in the world. All it takes is one life. In fact, the Bible says that it was Noah, that the world was so dark that it was Noah, that it was how he lived his life that created light. We learn from Noah that his life created a contrast. We know from 2 Peter that things that came out of his mouth were this, that he spoke righteousness, that he spoke things that were a contrast. And so how does this fit to our lives? How... How are we creating a contrast? How are we as followers of Christ, if that's who you are this morning, how are you creating a contrast with your words? How are you creating a distinction? How are men who are following Christ treating their wives differently? How are wives who are followers of Christ treating their husbands? How are parents raising their kids? How are we honoring each other with the things that come out of our mouths that make a distinction. How do we create a contrast in our lives that create uniqueness? And here's, a, here's how, this is how simple as it is. We live in a culture, in a world where self is the center. And if you think about that, what a life looks like. Me at the center versus somebody who says Christ at the center. And you begin to think through the implications of that and how that impacts your relationships, how that impacts things that come out of your mouth. How does that impact how you treat people? How does humility show up in your life? And here's what it does. Condemning has this concept of this, that it has proving power. When you believe God enough that it creates change in your life. When you believe 
God enough as Noah does, that has a contrasting power, that it has a proving power in your life, that there is something unique, something different, something powerful about your life. And here's what it might lead to. It might lead to, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, that you become a fool for Christ. That people might not understand why you live the way you live. Faith is a response to God's word that creates change, that creates a contrast. Number three, the last thing we see is this, and I'll read verse seven one last time. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning the events as not yet unseen, as yet unseen, in reverent fear, he believed God enough to make changes in his life, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world. His lifestyle was a contrast. And then there are next, there are just two really important words. He believed God enough that he found his rest in God. And here's where we see that, these two really important words. Number one, it says this, that he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And this is a really important concept. This is a, a theme that runs throughout the Bible as far as understanding what it means to be saved or what salvation is talking about. And here's what an heir is. An heir is somebody who receives a gift. You cannot earn an inheritance. An heir is somebody who acquires wealth through someone else. There's no work involved. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And here's what Noah inherited. He inherited righteousness. Let me just slow down for a second, try to get us to think about this, is that the Bible says this, that he inherited a righteousness from God, that something outside of his life, something that he could not earn was given to him, that there was a righteousness given to him by God. And this is over and over and over again in the Bible. Let me just, I'll read a couple of verses this morning just to, to show you. But this is Romans chapter one says this, that I am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God for salvation. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. That the righteous live by faith. That there is something given to us, given to you by God. Something that you cannot have for yourself. Paul writes about this in Philippians when he says that not having a righteousness of his own, but something that was given to him. And how does this create rest? Or how does this even create change in our life? Well, we have to think, think about it like this. That there is something within all of us that strives to be good. That we want to be good people. That that's who we are. We, we want to be a positive person that contributes and makes our, our marriages better, our families better, our communities better. While at the same time we work hard to be good people, we know that we fall short that we all do, that there's not one person here that has the righteousness that we all want. And what the Bible says that when we understand salvation is that there is a righteousness given to you outside of your life that's given to you from God by faith. And then when you begin to understand that that's who you are, you begin to live it out you begin to live out this gift by faith. That there is this righteousness given to you. 
That's why Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God, that we receive God's righteousness to you. We say that it's, it's deposited into your life. That that's who God is, that he gives you righteousness. Why is that important? How does this give us rest? That's connected to the story of Noah and the ark. The Bible says that, that there will be one day, there will be one day that God will judge the world. In the same way that God judged the world in Genesis, and that He was God, the Bible says that God was brokenhearted, that He had created mankind because people were hurting each other so much. The Bible says that there will come another day when there will be a judgment. And so the question we have to ask ourselves. By what standard will the judgment happen? And how can we be as fair, how can we be as kind to ourselves as possible? How can we be as fair as possible? And say, let's just say for a second that we'll ignore God's standard. And how can we create a judgment standard that's fair? Francis Schaeffer gives this analogy. He's a, a, a guy that died many years ago. He said this, let's just for sake of understanding, let's say, that when you were born, there was an, an invisible, this is how old he was, there was an invisible tape recorder put around your neck. And from the time you were born until the time you passed away, everything that came out of your mouth was recorded. And that God being fair will use your own standard to judge yourself. So whatever, whatever came out of your mouth which you judged other people, let's just use that standard on your own life. And here's what we would all know. Here's the conclusion we would all come to. None of us can keep our own standard. By the way that I will find fault in you, by the way I'll find, fight in my, find fault in my own friends, my spouse, my, my children, we are all fault finders. And by our own standards, we will all fall short. Is that fair? Is that a fair standard on which God will judge people? It's pretty fair. And unfortunately, it's quite discouraging because we all fall short. And that's why a righteousness has to be given to you. It has to be given to you from God. That's where a theological understanding of something that I'm trying to talk about, an objective righteousness, why that even matters, like, I don't understand what you're talking about at all. Well, here's how we can try to make it understandable, that God gives it to you so that when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Christ and not all the times that we've all blown it. Not all the times. He won't see the times when we hold people to a different standard that we, own, that we hold ourselves to. One way to think about this is that, that Jesus Christ is a type of ark. That that's where we will find our safety. That as an heir of righteousness, that when the rains are coming, and we've all seen even uh, just the, the violent pictures of what floods are like, that Noah is in his ark, secure, an heir to the righteousness of God through faith. 
And Jesus is that type of ark. In fact, if we think about it this way, there's only one person who survived the storm. There's only one person that's walked on water and survived, and his name is Jesus. And so when it's 11 o'clock at night on Thursday and your mind's going to a dark place, we need to remember that there's a righteousness that's given to you, that we are to receive it in faith, that we are to apply it to our lives, and, and to remember this, that God sees you as he sees his son Jesus, and that you will be spared by you will be spared from judgment because of your faith in Christ. That you are seen not only as, you're not seen as neutral, you're seen as beautiful. You're seen as God sees his son Jesus. And that's where imputed righteousness can be lived out as subjective righteousness in our day-to-day -day life. The reality is that we all have times in our lives where we struggle with faith, where we struggle with, our life, because life is just challenging. And Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us that we can have a strong faith, that we can have a faith in endures. When we look at Noah and his life and we put our trust, when we allow God's word to have a place of movement in our life, that it has reverent awe, that results in a lifestyle that's, that's different. But most importantly, that we know where our rest is, that we are an heir of Christ, that we receive that gift in faith, that that's our true identity, that's our true rest. Let's pray. Father, I, I do thank you that uh, we, can, we can live out the challenges of life together and that we can be honest, that we don't have to create this illusion that life is always great, that it's always easy, it's always fun, it's always cheerful. There are often times that are very dark and life begins to unravel. And I pray for anyone here this morning, Father, that's struggling with that, that you would show yourself to them, that you would bring peace into their life, that you would show them rest that's found only in you, that's found only in putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you don't leave us alone. Thank you that you promise to always be there with us. Father, I pray as we continue in worship that your Holy Spirit would speak truth and rest into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.